Academy Rewind. Are you recording just for me? How that one best song I'll never know. Academy Rewind. There's so many podcasts I can't see. <laughs> Who knows if La La Land will win the best picture this year. Oh, wait, we know it's actually Moonlight. It's good, right? Yeah. Yeah. It needs another draft. <laughs> Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we're taking a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, for the beginning of Season 3, is my host and your host, Palmer. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. There was some hesitancy in my intro. I don't know how... But I like, feel like I'm not going to go back and do it again. You've you've run into this problem of every time you do the opening, it's, you screw up. It's because fortnightly is not... A regular word. We do not use it in regular conversation. But what I want to know is how you've messed this up like the last five episodes, yet the one episode where you had to do two intros at once nailed it. Probably because I wasn't thinking about it. <laughs> That's a good point. Probably because I wasn't thinking about it. So, when, go ahead. This is season three. Mm-hmm. And just to let some people know, there's been massive amount of changes to the show. We got a brand new set. Yep. We have, me and Tim have been replaced by... Stepford Wives? No. Nope. We've, been, uh, we've been replaced. We are being acted out by Doug Jones and Andy Serkis as computer-generated images. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! <laughs> we have spent thousands of dollars on this, even though you can't see a thing. That's right. Which is why it's thousands and not millions, because right. you can't actually see it. That's great. Um, if only Andy Serkis and Doug Jones were nominated for anything in this round of movies. They are not. But we're going to talk about movies anyway. Palmer, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at this, uh, this list of movies that we have to talk about. 2017 Best Picture nominees. Now, this is going to be an interesting conversation because this is, apart from 2018, this is the most recent that you could possibly get. And yeah, this is literally looking, a year. This is looking back to see if we made the right call or not, but we're not really looking back that far. We are. We're looking back over there. Oh, I'm not turning around because the mic <laughs> needs to be near my mouth. Um, if anybody wants to kill anybody, if they're a podcaster during recording is the perfect time well, yeah, because they can't move their head away from the microphone. They're like a shark. That's right. Got to swim straight, baby. <laughs> The best picture nominees of 2017 are as follows. Fences, Manchester by the Sea, Lion, Hell or High Water, La La Land, Hidden Figures, Hacksaw Ridge, Arrival, and Moonlight. So many movies. Now, What Palmer, is this, 1937? I know. <laughs> I know. Stupid Dark Knight changing rules. Like, <laughs> And yet they still haven't figured it out. I know. Uh, anyway. Don't they know we have to watch a lot? Of, don't we know they have li- we have lives? I gotta watch a lot of these things. So, anyway, Palmer, yes. I think you know what won Best Picture in 2017. Everybody knows what won Best Picture, and it is of course La La Land. You are of course correct. 
I no, know. wait, no, you are incorrect. No, no, I'm not. I, I saw them. Warren Beatty came out. Mm-hmm. He looked puzzled because I think it was past his bedtime. Yep. And then Mia Farrow was like, give me this. You don't know how to read. Mia Farrow or Faye Dunaway? Faye Dunaway. That's yep. what I said. She, uh, give me this. I didn't know how to read. And she said La La Land. And as soon as she said it, I, I didn't want to hear them give any speeches. So I shut it off, went to sleep. Haven't heard anything about it since. Yeah, okay. Well, um, shocker, uh, because it's actually Moonlight, that one. <gasps> there was a big error at the Academy. What? First in history, first time they've ever screwed up, would you say? Um, I would say that, although some people would say that it's the second time they screwed up. What would be the first time? There is a conspiracy theory that hot Aunt May there. Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei mm-hmm. uh, wasn't actually supposed to win for My Cousin Vinny. That oh, they sure. said the wrong name, sure. and they were just like, go with it. And this actually proves that that did not happen, because as soon as they screwed up, people were like, uh, no. Yeah, that's <laughs> actually very true. Also, she is delightful in that movie. Oh, she's great in that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You blend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Anyway, we're not here to talk about my cousin Vinny. Yet. yet. <laughs> we are here. Let's start with fences, Palmer. Let's start okay. let's start talking about some fences. You like fences. I Everyone like fences. fences. Everybody likes some fences. Although I don't remember too many fences in this movie. Actually, that was one of the whole points of this movie. I'm going to go deep on this movie. I I, I figured you did, would. Okay, great. Fences was directed by Denzel Washington, written by August Wilson, based on the play by August Wilson. Um, starring Denzel Washington, Viola Davis, Stephen Henderson, and Jovan Adepo. This movie is about Denzel Washington, who is a man who is just trying to build a fence in his backyard in 1950s Philly. Yeah, it's in Philly? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. He is a, I want to say washed up, it's not exactly correct, but he was a baseball player, and because he's black, he could not go and play more baseball, even though Jackie Robinson came along just a few years later yeah. and started playing baseball. And he knows that he's better than Jackie Robinson. He well, knows yeah. he is better than Jackie Robinson. But meanwhile, while all of this is happening, his son, who is playing football in high school, comes home, and he really wants to play football in college. Mm-hmm. And it's all about going. And his father just won't let him go. No. And it, yeah. And this play is really about family and the fences or walls that we put up between ourselves and the relationships with others and we cast ourselves out from the world but meanwhile it's all about really joining the world and moving forward but sometimes your old prejudices and your personal experience have a hard time of letting that go so you build bigger and stronger fences instead of tearing them down do you get it i I got it okay great it wasn't it wasn't that well hidden I don't think it's supposed to be hidden. The show is called Fences. <laughs> it's it's not like a mixed metaphor or anything. It's not like, oh, where's the metaphor? Is it behind the bush? No, it's behind the fence. Anyway, what did you think about this movie? This was one of the few that I hadn't seen yet. And I was very surprised by this movie. It is very well acted, which... Given the actors in it, you can kind of say, well, that's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, Denzel and Viola, of course, is well-acted. Well, I found I found over the years Denzel has just become Denzel. I think that happens to a lot of big actors. I think that sometimes they just get into – either they're, even if they're acting, their stardom becomes bigger than them. Yeah. And so it's hard to – it's hard to pull – it's hard to pull out of that – 
black hole that they create for themselves that start in black hole. But I think Denzel did it in this film. He did. And the the problem with Denzel sometimes is he has a very specific cadence to his deliveries. Definitely. So I think that's why he kind of always just seems like he's playing Denzel. Um but yeah, no, he was he was really good in this. Viola Davis is she was nominated for best supporting actress. I believe so. Um which was wrong. She should have if she was going to be nominated, should have been under the best actress category. Well, there there isn't another best actress in this film, but her, you know what I mean? Like she is she is the female lead, right? Which is where you could make that argument, but she's also it's tricky because she's also really not the focus of the show. It's a father and son dynamic. Mm-hmm. And so I would I kind of understand why they gave her supporting. Right. Because her she doesn't have an arc herself. Supporting characters rarely have arcs. They um they have character pieces mm-hmm. in some way. The story isn't about them and but even if they have an arc it's not about them, it's about somebody else. And the story's not about her. It's about Denzel and his son. Yeah this playwright he's done several pittsburgh cycle plays i believe there was seven to ten of them um and they all kind of deal with the same dynamic in a backyard right well you could you could certainly tell that it's a play i think that definitely you, you can always tell movies that are adapted from plays especially when they when it's almost a direct adaptation because they they talk more in a play than they would in a film. Yeah. And so there's a lot move. It's almost like not a walk and talk necessarily, but because in a play, you're basically just stuck in the backyard. There is a lot of we're walking from the road to the house. And now we're at the house. So you don't get bored as an audience member, just looking at the backyard, but the backyard is the focus yeah. of the whole show. But I mean, a backyard, the backyard is important to a family dynamic, right? That's where the family comes together to hang out, to party, mm-hmm. to talk about, talk about important things, but also to relax. And so I think it's an important setting. Yeah, and uh, just can't really say enough about the writing of this. The writing is just so spot on, and it gives such depth to characters that can come off as one-dimensional. Like if you definitely like, there's a danger of Denzel Washington's character coming off as one-dimensional because he's very bitter about the hardships he went through. And he's, you know, he's not wrong. Like, I, you know, everyone, everyone would be right to be bitter about what happened to him. And because he never lets go of that bitterness, Mm -hmm. it seeps into the rest of his life. That's right. And it affects his marriage by him cheating on his wife. This movie does well about balancing his kind of horrible character and still trying to have some sort of good quality about him. That's right. Because he's almost a guy that you need to like sit down and be like, dude, it's okay. Right? He's that kind of person. I think the I think the the play, while good, while the movie itself is great, while the play is great, it's one of my favorites. Because you can tell it's a play, mm-hmm. in some respects it doesn't fully work as a movie. It doesn't take advantage of it's basically a play on film where yeah. it's not a film. 
It doesn't okay. take advantage of what makes film separate from the stage. Uh, it really just presents the play in a real setting as opposed to as opposed to under a proscenium. And I, I think that's not necessarily a fault of the of the film, but I can see why it didn't win because of that. It's not it's not being it's not the film fences, it's the play fences put on film. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, because if you don't know if you haven't seen it, if you don't know that this was a play five you ten can, minutes into this, you're like this must be at a minute. This must have been a play because mm-hmm. and you're right. It feels exactly like a play put on film with better scenery. Right. Exactly. Now, so I want to move on from fences okay. because I think this, I think this other film kind of manifests itself differently as a, you could see it as a play, but instead it's presented as a film, which is Manchester by the sea. Mm-hmm. If this makes sense. So it's directed by Kenneth Longren and written by Kenneth Longren, starring Casey Affleck, Michelle Williams, Kyle Chandler, and Lucas Hedges. And uh, Manchester by the Sea is about a man who finds out that his brother has passed away. So he goes back. So he goes from Quincy, uh, Massachusetts, to Manchester by the Sea, Massachusetts, where he's from, to kind of deal with the death of his brother. And he finds out, you know, he's the custodian of his nephew and then what to do with all of that. And like Fences, whereas the relationship between father and son, now it's really uncle and son. So you can, in some ways, you can see the parallel. But whereas Fences is, here's this play in a backyard, I think Manchester by the Sea could very easily be a play. You could absolutely set it in the house, in the living room, or something like that. But instead, we we are treated, and I guess treated might not be the right word, but we are, we we explore the surroundings of Manchester by the sea with uh, with the characters as opposed to being isolated in one particular place. Okay. This movie is... is the exact kind of movie you don't really like. Is well shot. Mm. It is well framed. I agree. It looks pretty. Um, I was amazed that someone actually thought to name a place Manchester by, by the, the sea. sea. You know, they should probably rethink that idea. Well, I think there's another Manchester, so it's like, oh no, yeah, not this Manchester, the one by the sea. Right. They had to they had to separate. They had to it's like if you see that video on YouTube of the the weatherman pronouncing the name of a town in Wales and it's like it stretches the entire screen. It's like <laughs> it's right. hilarious. But I just found out recently that the name that it translates to is literally like the town by the road where you take a left and you go like that's why it's so long. It's like directions to the town is the name of the town. Okay. And that's kind of like Manchester by the sea. All right. So you said we were treated. Treated is not the right word for this movie. I, I couldn't think of the I couldn't think of the right way to right. say it, but I, I well you just said the film is very pretty. It's very pretty, but that's about the last good thing I could say about this movie. Okay, so it's very pretty. Good for you. I loved this film. And I knew you wouldn't like it. I didn't even like because it's not good. I disagree. I completely disagree. I know with you completely you. disagree because you hate me, and this is why you like this movie. No, not true at all. Mm-hmm. Not true at all. You know you're my favorite person in the universe. <laughs> Second favorite person in the universe. Fifth favorite it, it, person. It's in the fine. Universe. Your fiance doesn't actually listen to the podcast. You're so right. She, she doesn't. That. You're my favorite person <laughs> in the universe. So anyway. 
I I love this movie, but you just you don't like films without MacGuffins. It's not even that. Like th- like to me, this person is just not a good person. I don't care about this person. Okay, that's I. Uh, do you have to like the main character for it to be a good movie? You either have to really like you have to have some strong feeling about the main character. You like fences. Denzel's not a great character. He's not. Well, he's a great character. He's not a good person. Right. Uh, he's not, but other people are. Sure. And he's not trying to redeem himself. Okay. And I don't, I'm not saying like the point of Casey Affleck's character arc is to redeem himself. Mm-hmm. He just starts off as a horrible person. Why is he horrible? Well, he's a drunk who killed his kids in a fire. Okay. Okay. And after that, you would think he'd be like, Probably shouldn't drink anymore, but nope, that doesn't affect him. He goes along drinking more. I wouldn't necessarily call him a drunk, but I know what you mean. You know, it's just, I like, his character is just so unlikable. Sure. And he goes to great lengths, he seems to go to great lengths to be that unlikable. Casey Affleck or the character? Both. I think, still- I, I don't. Well, I guess he's acting it well yeah. enough. So I don't disagree with you. I think he does go. To, he definitely is going to lend to distance himself from people. But it's a it's a self imposed exile, right? Mm. It doesn't feel like he can bear the responsibility of people, and so he purposely doesn't. Right? That's like that whole scene where the girl spills his drink, and she's like, "Oh, like what's your name?" And he's like, "Yeah, go away." You know, like he's he's uninterested in any emotional connection because it feels like whereas his kids died in that fire, any shred of humanity that he had also died with them in that fire. In a different movie, he's the villain of the story. He's the bad guy that tries movie, to rule the, the world. Guy. I don't think so. I think he I think I would. He's not really a bad. There's no real quote unquote like villain or bad guy of the story. But he's certainly you're watching his growth if you're not into watching characters slowly evolve over the course of two hours. Yeah, but see, I don't think he's evolving. Why not? He accepts that he has to take responsibility for his, his for his nephew. Right. Lucas Hedges, who was great in this film. Lucas Hedges, who was good in Lady Bird. Um, you didn't like him in here. I don't know. Again, because I don't even like, like, again, I find his character despicable. Almost every character in this movie, except for the people who die, like the brother's fine, and even well, Michelle it's Williams. A, it's impossible not to like Kyle Chandler. Yeah. Even Michelle Williams, who doesn't have a whole heck of a lot to do in this no, movie. No, she doesn't. Like, I wanted more, like, I wanted more of a story about them kind of. Not like I don't think they have to be together at the end for this movie to to kind of come full circle, mm-hmm. but I think their strained relationship needs to be progressed more. Needs to be more of the spotlight of this movie, sure. Because the point of it is how withdrawn he's become from his kids dying, mm-hmm. and how that negative, you know, that that affected the marriage, and that kind of fell through. And she's still in love with him after. All that they went through, she is still in love with him to the point where she's kind of like, look, I'm married. I have kids with this other guy. Uh-huh. Let's still be together. I understand what you I understand what you mean. But 
because he's dealing with the death of his children, I think that it's important that the focus of the movie is on his relationship with another child who is his family. But it's not a child. Like, this well, kid is t- almost 18. But he, that's, he's still a child. He is, but not in the same way. Like, no, the but most, he's still a the child. The most he's going to have family. to look after this kid is like six months. And then he's going to go off to college. Like they even said, he's going off to college in a year. Right. So, well, no, his big thing is that he wants to work on the boat, right? Right. But he does. And he even tells him, he's like, look, you rent out the boat until you're 18, and then you can decide what you want to do. But it's not that long of a wait. Sure. And I agree with you. Like, there's a there's a lot in here where you just want to take him by, Casey Affleck by the shoulder and be like, suck it up, dude. Yeah. Like, this is your responsibility now. But I think watching him go through that is, I think it is important. I was really struck by this movie. And I know you're going to say, because it takes place in a coastal town in Massachusetts, and we in grew up in a coastal town, town in, Mass- in Massachusetts. <laughs> Everyone is all alike. This is why I don't sing. That was pretty good. Actually, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. You were you were in a key at least, and you stayed there. <laughs> you you were in a key. Not quite sure what key that was, but you were in it. You were in it. That's good. That that's impressive. I do, I know. I don't think I'm going to change your mind about this film because I, no. I, I I and I don't. And I don't think it's because it takes place in a coastal town in Massachusetts. I, you seem to like very, very, very dull movies <laughs> that seem to meander quite a bit and don't really get to a point because – and I think it's because you like to whether or not – whether or not it's supposed to be done, you like to read way past the surface into stuff. Yes, and, that's that's what is that's fun for me. And right, because you're crazy. Well, I th- well see, but here's the thing though. That's what the academy does. That's what that's why books by Charles Dickens are considered great. That's why The Great Gatsby is considered one of the best books of American uh, American novels of all time, potentially a novella, because we read into it. it that's the point. It's considered that because it has the word great in the title that's not true but that i like great where expectations your head... it's number one and number two i like where your head's at oh the title says it's great it must be great yeah. is that why you like greatest showman so much well he's the greatest showman so obviously yes. and this that is was the, the best greatest movie, movie. <laughs> yeah simple simple pleasures <laughs> <laughs> now um, i understand i understand what you mean but like if you're not into you're not into analyzing that's fine. I'm not into automatically analyzing. My thing is this movie has to be enjoyable to me first. It has to be enjoyable on the surface to make me want to deep dive into stuff. Sure, but I but I think for for me personally this movie is enjoyable for me without analyzing it. I I enjoyed I enjoyed watching the film. Okay. Was, I enjoyed watching the character progression, but I always say this to to people. They will, you know, when people are like, "Oh, you like to read? Here's a book or whatever," or "You like movies? Here's a film." Like, you can't like everything. It's impossible. You can't. You. I like watching television, but there are a lot of channels and a lot of shows, and I don't like most of them. Yeah, there are tons and tons of movies that come out a year. 
You don't have to like all of them. Even in movies, just because you like movies doesn't mean you like all genres of film. And that's okay. That's fine. But I think, which we always hit on, the Academy likes a p- particular genres. Right? They've tried expanding. Right. I think these nine always, films is it. Is they a, always go back to giving the award to their movies. Well, I think because stories that are considered great mm. are the ones that you do deep dive into. Surface level films don't win don't win awards. You have to rarely I should say they win awards. Sometimes they do. It's very rare. But I, I think there's always if there's something if there's something to analyze to talk about later, then it has a better chance of winning. That's why you'll never see Transformers Five nominated for Best Picture. I campaign for that movie. You'll never see, you'll never see something like that nominated because there's nothing to it. It's just it's just robots smashing each in other, disguise. and that's okay. They're not really even in disguise anymore. They Everyone knows they where they are. are. So I. So you need that you need that deeper progression. Otherwise, you won't find you won't it well, won't have a chance of going. If you anywhere. don't think there was a deeper progression, you sorely missed the point of the last Transformer movie. There really wasn't. There really <laughs> wasn't. You know what we should do? We should on an off on an off season. We should we should do the we should do like the most non Academy Award <laughs> movies <laughs> of of that year and do the complete opposite. The Razzies. We should do the Razzies. Oh, I don't want to sit myself through the Razzies. We'll just skip the year Catwoman got nominated. That's we'll be fine. fine. <laughs> 2005, I think. Yeah. Anyway, let's do the next film. Let's do Lion, directed by Garth Davis, written by Luke Davis, based on the book by Saru uh, Brierly, starring Dev Patel, Nicole Kidman, and Rooney Mara. This is the story about a child who is adopted, and then we see, and then he moves to um, from India. He moves to Australia, uh, and he grows up with that family for a bit, and then he becomes in a what would he what would he say? He's in his twenties. Yeah, he's twenty, early twenties. Yeah, supposed to be, and then he's like, "Hey, I'm going to find my birth parents." And then he well, birth mother, birth mother, um, and then he that, finds her. Hooray! That's basically the movie. I, I, I wasn't totally up on this movie the first time I saw it. Okay, and I, which still, is weird because this is your type of movie. I don't know. You know, it's so that's funny that we were talking about Manchester yeah. by the Sea. And then we got to, and then you get to this one, yeah. and I'm like, I recognize that it's the like the the type of movie, and I just couldn't get into it. And I love Dev Patel, and yeah, I think yeah, he's really good in this film. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge Nicole Kidman fan. Maybe it was Nicole Kidman that that is because me. you are a horrible person. I potentially true. I wasn't totally up on. The, I think it's because I don't films that I films that pretend that they're going to end differently than we all know they are kind of annoy me. If that I, makes sense, I I kind of understand what you're saying, but I don't I don't think that this movie ever pretended that he wasn't gonna find his birth mother. I felt like it did. No, I felt like it pretended like there was just a lot of angst. Like, you know, will well, he's very like, angsty. He's a he's a mid twenties, you know, adopted kid. Yeah, they're they're very angsty. Overgeneralization to the max, but I understand what you mean. In film, absolutely. Yeah. Based on true story. 
Yes, based on a true story. All of this actually happened. Yeah, he uses he, he uses the internet to yeah. to to find to find his mom. So you liked this movie? I actually I I started off. This movie starts off with the first ten, fifteen, twenty minutes like completely in um, silence. No, uh, Hindi. Yes, Hindi and other. Um, I was thinking of dialects. Bullet. Yes, because I know there's other dialects, mm-hmm. but. Hindi is the only Bengali. one. Bengali. Is that the other one? Okay. I don't know um, if it's used in this film. I just know that's the other one. So, or one of the other ones. So, yeah, the first half of this film is him getting lost and kind of making his way through the streets mm-hmm. until he's picked up into an, an orphanage. And from the get-go, this movie, I felt this movie was just already a better version of Slumdog Millionaire. And I think it's because it has Dev Patel in it. Potentially. Um, he is better in this film, though he is older and yeah. more experienced now. Yeah. Uh, so this movie grabbed me right from the from the get-go. It lost me a little bit when Nicole Kidman shows up with red hair. Sure. That is hair, she really a redhead? I think she is, but that hairstyle. So mm. That hairstyle was tough. So, you know, I got what I wanted out of this movie, and it was very, it was very hopeful... And it had a really nice, happy ending, which I which I was okay with. Mm-hmm. Other than that, like there there's a few things that I understand that this is based on a true story, so this, this stuff actually happened. Yeah, but you're telling me or thereabouts. You're telling me that this kid was essentially pronouncing the name of the, his place correctly. He was just mashing the words all together. Mm. And like nobody in India could figure this out. I don't know if people could be bothered to figure it out. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. But even like when they when he like gets to an official person and they're like, mm-hmm. we're going to help you try. We're going to put your picture in a paper and we're going to try and find your mother. Where did you live? And he just blurts out the name that he thinks it is. Mm-hmm. And essentially it's the same name with a space. Sure. And, like, nobody was like, no, that can't possibly be that other town that sounds exactly alike. You know, it's funny that you it's funny that you say that because – so think of it this way. So we grew up in New Bedford, right? But people pronounce it New Bedford. Right. Right? So if you were to say that to somebody who didn't know that name, they wouldn't be able to correlate, like, one from the other. Mm. And so you can kind of see where the con- – you can kind of see where the confusion – came from in some way a little bit a little bit but i'm not at liberty to say what's true and what's not true in, right in the story it, that could be embellishing I mean, he might not the the real guy might not remember and so this is the way that yeah. the film has chosen to lay it out i'm not positive i mean but to, stranger things have also yeah. happened to be fair when i when i talk about a town in massachusetts and i say quincy like everyone from massachusetts is like what what town like yeah. quincy Quincy. I have no idea where that is. It's up near Boston. Oh, Quincy. No, there's no Z. Quincy. Yeah. It's Quincy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it's like somebody reading the Worcester side and be like, oh, I'm going to Worcester. I'm like, yeah. oh, you're going to get some sauce while you're there? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, people, like, things happen. And that's just, that's a very localized thing. In P, you know, so it is, it is certainly possible. I mean, to be fair, apparently he also mispronounces his name throughout the entire movie. This is true. So. Now. What do you think about Rooney Mara in this film? 
I mean, she's there. Mm-hmm. She um, she is not actually based on a single person. She is actually an amalgam of girlfriends. Oh, really? Yeah. So once I knew that, I was like, oh, that kind of that kind of took out her part from the movie for me. You know, he didn't have this one girl kind of championing him along. He had multiple women championing him right. along. What a player. <laughs> what a guy. But I mean, it was it was good and to me it's a better version of Manchester by the Sea. It's cuz it's a movie that could like, be slow. Oh, but that was isn't. like movie the plots are not even close to similar. They both involved kids. All movies that involve kids are like Manchester by the Sea. Oh god, I hope not. Miracle well, on Thirty Fourth Street, maybe Goonies, Manchester by the Sea, <laughs> the Goonies, Manchester by the Sea, yeah, very good. Yep, I think Lion looked great. Okay, I think it's very pretty. I some of it's a little too washed for me, if that makes sense. It's a little too washed out. Yeah, um, I I prefer a higher saturation of color, uh, but but ultimately, I think I think it. It looks good. It just, I didn't, some movie, like I said before, you just don't connect with some films. Mm-hmm. And and that's okay. That is okay. A movie I really liked quite a bit. Let's move on to Hell or High Water, directed by David McKenzie, written by Taylor Sheridan, starring Chris Pine, Ben Foster, Jeff Bridges, and Gil Birmingham. Uh, it, this is the story of two brothers, Chris Pine and Ben Foster, who are robbing banks to save their mother's farm. And so they're deceased mother's farm. Deceased mother's farm. And so they are they're robbing the bank and then um laundering the money in a casino and then and then putting it back in the bank. The very bank that they're robbing. They are ro- the very bank they are robbing, which is also the one responsible for taking away the farm. Yeah. Yeah. It's all it's all connected, baby. It is. This film I loved when I saw it the first time. Mm-hmm. And I loved it watching it again. So this is the same writer and director that did Wind River. This is correct. Although, yeah. no, it's, um, it's Taylor Sheridan wrote Hell or High Water. He, and he also wrote Wind, Wind River, but he and also he directed direct, okay, Wind that River. Was yep. um, Wind so, River. Oh, see, I always, um, I always think of Moon River. No, the, is it Pocahontas? What's around? River, oh, river, yeah, flow uh, gently for me. No, that's Prince of Egypt. Ah, yeah, yeah. One of the two. Yeah, they're the same. Right. Yeah. Both by both by Hans Zimmer. <coughs> so we're gonna move on. <laughs> so which movie are we talking about again? Hell or hell high or water. Hell or high Nailed water. Nailed it. Okay. So these two people in as main characters, I'm not really rooting for. Okay. And you're rooting for the bank. I'm kind of rooting for the bank. You capitalist. You're Um, not even rooting for Jeff Bridges or Gil Birmingham, who's probably the one person in this movie you should be rooting for. (laughs) Although, don't get too attached. No. (laughs) You want to spoil everything. Yeah. This movie movie knows what it wants to do, Mm -hmm. and it knows the pacing it can do it. And this movie is paced well. It's It's really well edited. It's not like a snappy pace. And it's not a plotting pace. Like it's not an action movie, and I think it, it could have veered it. It builds, in some ways, to that. But I still wouldn't classify it as an action. movie. Oh yeah, absolutely not. I'd, I'd classify it as a, a drama, and it's a drama that knows exactly how fast it can go to not get boring. Mm-hmm. Like it just moves along. It it kind of moves along at a snail's pace, 
but it moves along at that snail's pace that it can go on its own. That being said, and the reason I don't like these characters are these characters are robbing banks. Not my not my thing. Sure. You know, you're breaking the law. That's not a good thing. Do you also feel this way when you watch Robin Hood? A little bit. That's so weird. But here's the difference. They go to lengths with Robin Hood to explain why he's doing this. Sure. And this, it's like, oh, their mother had a reverse mortgage. So naturally, the bank is evil. Okay. Like, it's not like the bank is like, we're going to kick you off your land 30 days early. No, it, the mother fell into, you know, fell into illness. It's a very hard luck story, and I'm not denying that. But the bank never comes off like the greedy people that say um, the guy in um, Miracle on not Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Thanks a lot. You got that one. You're welcome. The, I don't, the, the I don't know Richie Rich. <laughs> yes, that Richie Rich. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's, no. Um, uh, the James Stewart jumps off a bridge. It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. <laughs> Wow. I wish I had said vertigo instead of it's a wonderful life, but that's okay. So, like, I don't get the evilness of the bank. And maybe there, maybe it's a subtext that I missed, but, I, like, look. I think the bank is a is a faceless entity. Like, you know, it's an, it's an uncaring, cold cinder block. But we don't know if it's uncaring. Like, they could have been, like, this could have been, like, six months past due, and they're like, all right, look, we got to... I think that the film, I think the film would tell you if they were caring, but it's because you don't see them. It's malevolent, I guess, in some way. And I don't think you should be rooting for both brothers. You really should be rooting just for Chris Pine. No, I don't root for either brother. They're both breaking the law. Okay. Okay. That's fine. I guess. Sylvester Stallone would be very upset with these two. Why Sylvester Stallone? Because he was Judge Dredd. Oh, and he is the law. Right. Okay. I was that was wasn't exactly <laughs> sure where you were going with that. I was like, because Sylvester Stallone likes banks? Yes. Like, he does. Um that being said, Ben Foster is 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 really good. He's really as, good. As the Yeah. He's as really the good. Idiot brother. Yep. Chris Pine is also very good. Yeah, I don't like him as much. Do you you like Chris Pine? I do though. normally like Chris Pine. Yep. Um, but I think he's kind of overshadowed by Ben Foster, and I think Ooh, it's be- hot take. And I think it's because Ben Foster has the more interesting character. Absolutely, I think Chris Pine is the straight man, and that is yeah. that's hard to play. Uh, the straight men are not always the most interesting characters on screen. They they are there for everybody to bounce off of. Mm-hmm. What about Jeff Bridges? Classic Jeff Bridges. Yeah, he's gotten to that point again. The cadence, and he's just being old Jeff Bridges, like I he's being true, not, true grit Jeff Bridges. I do not disagree with that in any way, but I kind of like Denzel or Tom Hanks or anything like that. Yeah. I think they're still a delight to watch. Yeah, even if you're like that's that's Jeff. Tommy Lee Jones is a good example of that. They're just being there. The, the entity they have created. It, it's funny you mentioned Tommy Lee Jones because I had thought about this when I was watching the movie. To me, the one thing I can say about this movie, like I liked it. It was a good movie. Definitely watch it. I don't love it as much as you do. But to me, this is the better version of uh, No Country for Old Men. Oh, Jeff Bridges sure. Is, Jeff Bridges is retiring. Tommy Lee Jones is retiring. You have 
kind of you kind of have almost a senseless crime spree going on. In their minds, it totally makes sense, but it is kind of senseless. Um, and they're trying to mm-hmm. they're trying to track these boys down, and it kind of builds, just like uh, No Country for Old Men builds to a very to an ending. No Country for Old Men builds to a ending, definitely not a good ending. It's just an ending. This builds to a good ending. This completes it. Mm-hmm. I definitely. I totally get exactly what you mean. I think as much as I loved this film, this film to me sits in the place of, well, we need to nominate more than five. Okay. You know, I don't, I think it's a great movie. I don't necessarily think it's an Academy movie. Okay. I think it is in some ways, in some sense, missing something to propel it one step further. Maybe, maybe Ben Foster and Maybe Ben Foster and Chris Pine are the thing. Maybe the acting is just flat out the thing that 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 does it. And I think the story is great. I love of the way it's shot. I love the the setting. And but I love a lot of movies that don't get nominated. And I think this this one kind of sits in a like we need to we need to fill out the numbers, okay. and so we'll choose this other great movie right here. Yeah, if that if that all makes, that sense. makes sense. Okay. Let's move on to everyone's favorite, La La Land, directed by Damien Chazelle, written by Damien Chazelle, starring Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. This is a film about two people in Hollywood, one an inspiring actress and one an inspiring musician, and they just meet and fall in love, and then other things happen that maybe they don't love each other anymore, and it's all about Hollywood and the ups and downs of the business with music and toe tapping and good hummable music Ooh, what do you think of i don't know where this voice came from um i quite like la la land i know you don't so this year yes because a a listener pointed this out to us yes sometimes we can be very negative yes about movies we don't like and yes i think i understand this criticism yes um so on movies that i don't particularly like I am going to try a compliment sandwich. Hooray. So here is my compliment sandwich for La La Land. Oh, my. I can't wait for this. I wish I was recording this. Oh, wait. (laughs) I am. (laughs) So my first compliment is I really liked the font they use in their title cards. Wow. Good. Good. The negative part is everything else in the movie. Okay. And the third comp, the, the, the end part of the compliment is this movie eventually ends. Okay, I think you're stretching what the rounds of compliments <laughs> are, but I give you, uh, I'll give you a C okay. for trying. <laughs> All right, so joking out of the way, yes, I, I dislike this movie. This movie I'm supposed to like. There is, on the surface, there is nothing about this movie that I should dislike. I love Greatest Showman. I love musicals. It's the same people who did the, the lyrics for the this lyrics, movie did for... Great. That's right. Did for Greatest Showman, and it seems like this was their first pass. Like this was their get the bad one out of the way. Actually, they but they wrote they wrote the lyrics for Greatest Showman first before they right. went on to do La La Land. Yeah. In all honesty, the the good parts of this movie, in my mind, is the choreography. Yeah, very good. Actually, that that opening dance sequence on the bridge. Oh, see, I didn't even like that one. I'm fun. just talking about like when they're dancing at night after the party. 
Oh, uh, yep. Like when they're just the, dancing the up the street and they're I doing like, like the, like the, the soft the shoe tap. on the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, that, Look at you with real dance terms. Yeah. Yeah. That, to me, is really good. The beginning is a perfect example of what happens when you don't like a musical. Like, I've seen people criticize musicals before, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you just have to suspend your disbelief sure. that people randomly break out into song and dance. Mm-hmm. And in that first song that I didn't like, I'm sitting there going, who the hell does this in the middle of traffic? That's very interesting. I had that same thought, actually. <laughs> maybe because we're maybe because we're impatient drivers and as soon as that traffic starts to move, you'd be like, Get in your car, what are you doing? We gotta move three inches. You know what I mean? I believe La La Land is what happens when you cast actors based on their name value that have no business in a musical. I don't completely in some sense disagree with you. In in some way, I think that the dancing is good, mm-hmm. right? So we, you know, so, and that's part of being in a musical yeah. or in some musicals. I think Emma Stone has it in her, and I think Ryan Gosling can do exactly what he was given in this film. Okay, he's there. There, him more than her are tune carriers. If that makes sense, yeah. You you mentioned that when we were talking about it uh, via text when I was when I was rewatching this movie. I understand your point of their tune carriers, like they don't sound they don't sound bad. They're not professionally polished. They they're not trained singers, right. or at least Ryan Gosling is. I can't speak to Emma Stone because she was in cabaret on Broadway. Was she? Yeah. So that's why it's that's I can't why see that's her what, voice doing it. I know like, so I know somebody who saw her and says she was excellent. Like the the song here's the here's another issue is like in all honesty you can like I'm going to I'm going to ask this question and you're going to answer well the two songs that were nominated for Oscars. But name a song in this movie. There is no identifiable songs and that is because their voices are singing the lyrics so low under the music that even with the subtitles on, I couldn't tell you a lick of a line from a, from a song. So I think mostly you're referring to City of Stars, which is, I think, the song band City of Stars. Right. That's the only song anyone remembers. Me. It's written that way. I have that music. Okay. It's written that low. It but no, be no, no, I mean like every other song but City of Stars. City of Stars I can actually kind of make out. Um, what a Lovely Day of Sun was the opening song, right? Yeah, I, I could barely understand what they were saying. Now, I actually, so this is very interesting. So when I saw this film, I saw it twice in theaters. Once without you the first time I saw it, and then I saw it with you because right, it got released. I really want because it was a musical. I'm like, and you really movie. wanted to see it. Love this movie. Right. And so I when I saw it, the music started, and it was kind of... It was, it wasn't great. It was not great sound mixing. Yeah. And so I turned to my friend who I saw it with. And I said, I think one of the like the speakers are broken. Yeah. Like it's not great. And then I saw it with you. Yeah. No. And then are. I was like, Oh wow, no, this is just not great sound mixing. Right. It. I. I had a hard time, and I have bad hearing, so I had a hard time. I had a hard time with that myself. The diction wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Um. And so that's where I'm like getting from. Like, they're not trained, and you can kind of. You can kind of see it. Even the lip syncing was kind of like it was fine. It wasn't great. So, so moving on, we have Emma Stone. Yes, Emma. Emma yeah, Stone. Emma Stone. Okay, I always confuse her with Emma Roberts because they're both named Emma. Okay, well, at least that you know Emma Watson, completely different category because she's British. Yeah, 
and she's Hermione. Okay. So Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling are the two stars in this movie. And Emma Stone's character is kind of fine. It's an it's a kind of to me typical Emma Stone character. Yeah, it's a it's it's a char- like Jeff Bridges at Hell or High Water. It's a character she can play, right? And it's a character she plays consistently. And I've not quite come down on which side of the fence I am on Emma Stone. Sometimes I like her. Sometimes I find her a little too much. Oh, I I generally like Emma Stone. Ryan Gosling, who is a decent actor. I don't think he's great. I think he's good. He's almost... Hear me out on this. This I think he's almost like the George Clooney of this generation. Okay. Whereas it took George Clooney a number of years to go from, oh, you're good, to, oh, you're, like, really good. Like, I get you now. You know what I mean? I think he's he's still, even in some ways, even like a Harrison Ford, where you're like, you're good. You're really good. But, like, as you get older, you become better. You know, you just age into it. And I think he is going to be like that. But his character in this movie is just so unlikable and so punchable why that he you... should just name the character should have been named miles teller oh, oh snap <laughs> shade thrown at miles teller <laughs> why don't you like him in this movie yes not ryan gosling because you said you were fine with ryan right. gosling so he's just a whiny little so is she she is but you know what it is okay you know, i'm sorry you know what it is he is the stereotypical whiny musician. Okay, well, I'm not like, a whiny musician, so you don't, I don't take offense. You don't, you don't get me because you're not a musician. Like, jazz has to be played this way and no other way. Sure, okay. Like, oh my God, I just want to punch him in the face. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> Why are you sitting on that stool? Big John Doe sat on that stool before. Oh, God. Okay, so I get what you're saying, but... I'm on his side because jazz is not an appreciated form of music the way that it once was. Right. And right. And if so it's people like him, that's why. Uh, yes and yes and no. But I I think when things become less and less appreciated, their fans are more and more ardent. Right. Mm-hmm. And so in that in that in some way kills like someone who loves something so much that that's like it like it's either. You either are with them and you're like you're with them and you become a fan too, or it pushes you away because you just you just love that thing way too much, bro. It's like you know, I, I like football, but if you tell me that you've got to, I've got to go to the game mm-hmm. and take off my shirt and paint my whole and paint my whole chest yeah. to be the letter B, I'm good, man. I'm good. The letter B. I don't know the Bengals. I don't know. Like wow. I actually didn't. I wasn't even like Bengals didn't enter into my head. Oh. I'm like, what team has a letter B? I don't know. <laughs> this is the first letter that popped into my head. The sports ball team. Yeah, right. So, right. I like. So you know what I mean. So I think, and for and for you, I think he's basically that. Like, no man, paint your chest with me. We gotta right. do this. And I'm like, even if I like, I like. I'm like, I'm fine with jazz. Like, I I don't seek it out. But I'll listen to it. But like, man, if if you're the one telling me to like jazz, I hate jazz. Okay, and and that's I think that's my point. And I do like jazz, and I am kind of with him in his explanations. Mm-hmm. And so I like 
I didn't necessarily root for him because you're not really supposed to root for him the same way you're supposed to root for Emma Stone, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's more her journey. And you're right. He's not a totally great guy. But as far as movie relationships go, somebody always makes a mistake. Yeah. And and I think what through a lot of people – what a lot threw a lot of people off from this movie was the ending in which you know they have their whole dance sequence and like this is what our life would look like if it was a regular movie musical but it's not it's a quote unquote going to be a realistic life movie musical you know that wasn't the problem with the ending mm. the problem with the ending was they do this thing where it's like oh she was imagining this entire life and all of that happened in the space of them brushing past each other when he gets fired. Sure. So then they go off and do this other life. You know, now that we're back to where we picked up the story, they go off and do this other mm-hmm. life. Like John Legend comes in and is like, hey, do you want a job? And he says no. And he's like, all right, I'm going <laughs> to go over here now. Oh, yep. And they go through this other alternate life. And then it's. Again, an alternate life because what actually you what you actually saw is what actually happened. Sure. So it's like a it's a two false endings in a row, and that was a little much. Okay, I'm fine with the realistic ending. It was just give me the real, you know, give me the realistic ending. Don't try and swerve me three, four times. Sure, I, I understand that, and in some ways, I also didn't like being swerved. Yeah, uh, I. I liked this movie more, but when I left the theater, I was kind of like, well, you presented this movie to me right from the beginning if it was going to be a fun romp, and at the end, you kind of let me down, and I'm not totally about that, but I guess that's the way Hollywood is, man. It pretends to be all glitz and glam, but in the end, it's going to let you down. One quick note, directors and cinematographers that are listening to this podcast, because I know you all are, I've seen the numbers, whatever you do, if you want me to like a movie, do not, under any circumstances, ever do close-up shots of people pouring liquid. I hate the look, I hate the sound, and this movie does it 87,000 times. That's very interesting. Why do you think... Why do you? It's just not annoying like that? to me. Oh, like it's nails I'm, on a chalkboard. I'm to fine me. with that. I think this movie is very pretty. I think it it shot very well. I loved the I loved the dancing sequence in the observatory. Oh, I hated that one so much. I I loved the sequence in the observatory. I loved the the soft shoe on the hill. The house party was okay. Some of it was okay, and some of it wasn't. But ultimately, I. I did very much enjoy this movie. I'm glad it didn't win, though. I don't think that it's all that. Sometimes Hollywood has a love affair with itself, and we've seen that for a long time now. We yeah. This is our third season, and we've seen movies that are also about Hollywood, and Hollywood loves movies about itself. But, we, but everybody loves – not loves movies about the area they're from, but there's just – a stronger connection to the place. Like, yeah. oh, I know that road, and I know this place, and oh, isn't that great, and blah, blah, blah. Everyone does it. So you can't fault them for it necessarily, but I'm glad that everyone recognized that it wasn't the best. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hidden Figures is next up on our list, directed by Theodore Melfi, written by Theodore Melfi, based on the... Uh, and Alison Schroeder, based on the book by Margaret Margaret Lee Shetterly, starring, uh, uh, wow, I cannot speak for a second. Help me out here. 
Taraji P. Henson. Taraji P. Henson, thank okay. you. I couldn't like, read my writing. You're like, starring, help me out. And I'm like, which one is giving <laughs> you a problem? Taraji P. Henson, Octavia Spencer, Janelle Monet, Kevin Costner, Kirsten Dunst, Jim Parsons, and Mahashala Ali. Kirsten. Kirsten Dunst. So what did I say? Uh, you sounded more like Kristen, but I bet it was it. like Kriaston. Creation Dunst. Yep. Creation Dunst. And Mahersha, yeah, Mahersha Ali. Mahersha Ali. Who won an Academy Award this year, but not for this movie. That's right. This is, he was actually, also, actually with uh, Janelle Monet. Well, she didn't win, but she was also in the same. Oh, that's right. She was they the, were in the same, yeah. they were in Hidden Figures and in Moonlight yeah. together, which was great. This is the story of the women behind, uh, the women behind NASA. Yes. Basically. Particularly the story of one woman, Catherine. Who, Catherine, who is the smartest of the bunch. Yes. And she is all about John Glenn going into space, as is NASA. John Glenn? Yeah, John Glenn going into space. Yes. And and they've they've got to do it by hand. And they've got to do it. And they've got to crush racism at the same time. I make yeah. this movie sound dumb. I love this movie. I know you love this movie. I love this movie. I think it's it's really... Good fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously, mm-hmm. and I think it could. It could very much go down that road, but I, I, it chooses to be fun and send a message at the at the same time. I think it's well shot. I think it's well acted. It's well executed from start to finish. It's a little Hollywoody at times. Yes. You know, like Kevin Costner coming in and like tearing down the, tearing the bathroom down the sign. Tearing down the bathroom sign, yeah. like, it's everyone's bathroom now. Like We all pee the same color at NASA. Yellow. That is an actual line. <laughs> yeah, right. So um, drink some water, all of you. <laughs> so that sometimes, but you, you can very easily get caught up in that Hollywoodness. Yeah. If the movie wasn't so Hollywood, quote unquote, it might have won. Oh, I don't think so. I think no. if it, I think that's why it gets nominated because it's Hollywoody. Yeah, because you want to see racism getting crushed. Like there mm, is good point. You know, good point. Like this is it's a good peek behind the true story of our our efforts to first get a man into space and then a man into orbit. You know, we're behind the Russians, which they emphasize a lot in this movie. That we are really behind the Russians on getting a person into space. And if we don't, then we might as well just become communists. That was the thing that was kind of a little bit too much on the, on the rewatch for me. Was, and I think it's hindsight being twenty twenty, Like you're sitting there now going, it's, it's not that big a deal. Like, it's not like we're going to colonize space. Sure. You know, like well, the, I mean, it is a big deal, but I know the, what you mean. You know, there was a there was a line in the movie where the guy was like, you know, the Russians are going to get up there, and then you know, an atomic bomb's going to drop in Des Moines, Iowa, and it's like that's a little bit of a leap in logic. But that is also very much in line with thinking of the time. Oh, it is. The space race was everyone geared themselves like we're at war with the Russians. We're at quote cold war with yeah. the Russians. So. Going to space, the you know the new frontier. The what do final we? The frontier, final frontier. Something. What do we do out there? What's possible? They're beating us, and we've got to beat them. It's just yeah. competition. Even all the scientists also doing it. We're like, hey, Russia, what? 
do you, do you have help that could you help us with this? We'll help you. Yeah. You know, it's it's more government competition in a lot of ways than scientist competition. But that's very much how everyone thought. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is tr- silly but truthful. Right. And I'm and I'm not saying it's not truthful, but it's again, it's a hindsight being 2020 thing where you're like, okay, this seems a bit much. Yeah. Well, I just, so does racism. So Well, yes, racism always seems much. Like it was I really like this movie. It is fun, it is enjoyable. It is it is entertaining and you learn about about like a, this history. It's like a PBS special. It is. It's entertaining it's, and you right, learn something. Right. Just like Square One TV. Right. The cast is really good, although as much as I love Jim Parsons, he's just playing Sheldon. Uh, he's playing like the unfunny Sheldon. Yeah, but I like his mannerisms in that are all very because like he's a he's a scientist on Big Bang Theory, so he plays them the same way. I wonder if that is just because people are or we are so used to that characterization, which he's hard to separate out of. So you're not really you don't really feel like you're watching Jim Parsons whenever you see him or something. You just feel like you're yeah. watching Sheldon, and so you're like, oh, look at Sheldon trying to be different. You know, so I'm not totally sure if that's Jim Parsons' fault or if that's our fault. Okay. Have we um, stereotyped or not stereotyped? Have we, uh, oh, shoot. Pigeonhole? Cast type. Okay. Uh, cast. Uh, oh, my goodness. What is that term? Typecast. Have we typecast Jim Parsons? Way to help me out there. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Next on our list, Hacksaw Ridge, directed by Mel Gibson. Written by Robert Chenkin and Andrew Knight, starring Andrew Garfield, Sam Worthington, and Teresa Palmer. This is the film about a Seventh-day Adventist Mm -hmm. who is going off to World War II. Yes. But he he is a pacifist, so he refuses to pick up a weapon all through basic training. And then there's some dilemma about whether he's going to go to war or not. But then he goes to war anyway and saves... Many, many lives because of it. This is a Mel return for Mel Gibson in some ways. Yes. You know, this was this was kind of the film that people want. All right, Mel. You can come you back. You can now. come back now. Yeah. You can come back. We remember that you're talented. You yep. can come back. As far as war movies go, mm-hmm. I think this is a good one. I think this is a very good movie. Okay. I think it's well acted. I think that it as all Mel Gibson films do, looks spectacular. The one issue that I had with this movie is that the first half of the movie plays it like you don't know if he's going to go to war or not, except that you know he's going to war. And the second half doesn't play it like if you know he survives or not. But I think the first half is really like, you know, is he going to make it? It's yeah. a big deal if he's not. And I, I almost, it's a lo- half the movie is is him in basic training. The other half is is war, right? And so I was, I was really like, okay, I know he's going, and I'm not necessarily looking forward to getting to the war aspect, but because I knew he was going, I wasn't completely invested in the first half because I. I knew it was going to be okay. You harp on this a bit in based on a true story movies. You're like, oh, you're trying to make it look like it. It's not going to happen, but it's going to happen, and I know it's going to happen. So it takes me out of the movie. You harp on this a lot. 
Do I? You do. Now, maybe not as much on this podcast, but I've heard you mention it quite a lot in real life. I mean, spoiler for Lincoln. Right, but I think it's movies that it's the I didn't know this story. So that's not a fault. I don't think that's a fault of the movie. It's that all the trailers showed you with him at war yeah. and everything. So like I knew it was coming, so then a film presenting itself as if whether you don't know if he's going or not yeah. feels like a waste. So here's the thing is like to me you're inconsistent about this. Cuz like you could make the same argument with Hidden Figures. Like, oh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get John Glenn into space. No, we do. Oh, something happens. We don't know if he's going to come back alive. No, uh, he does. That's, okay, I see what you mean, but I never – I don't feel that film – I mean, yes, it's like, oh, no, is he going to make it or not? But I don't think – that's not the point of the movie. Right. That's that's not the focus area, where is the focus area the first half of this film – is will he go to war? I think the focus area of this of the first half of this film is him presenting that he is a pacifist, but he still really feels a responsibility to help the war effort. And how does he get them to see his like how do they how does he end up getting past this blockade? Okay. You know he's gonna do it, but how? And I think this movie, like aside from him like like, you would naturally assume, oh, he's going to give a very impassioned speech at the court-martial, and the judge is going to be like, I don't care what the law says. You know, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's Hugo. It was Hugo Weaving who played his yes, father. Yes, it right? was okay. Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving goes to his goes to his old captain from World War One, mm-hmm. who is now a brigadier general, and you assume is like, look, this is my son. He really wants to do something. Now... You assume that the Brigadier General is like, yeah, it makes sense. Like he has this, he has that right, mm-hmm. um, and they were, they did what was right by allowing him to go. My issue with this, and I understand that it's based on a true story, so it actually happened. Is this does nothing to, this does nothing to soften the image of like the stereotypical army person. Sure. Where they're like, well, he doesn't like weapons, so he's a he's a Nancy boy, and he's a communist. Yep. You know, and that that type of person is very difficult for me to watch because they're just they're just very low in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not firing a gun, you're not a real human. Sure. Like I think a lot of the problems is caused by the army. Like him getting attacked by his troop mates because he won't carry a weapon is a direct is a direct thing from Vince Vaughn saying, "Well, he he sucks. He's you know he's not going to save you in battle. He's going to be a hindrance to you." That's right. Um, Who was very good in the film, Vince Vaughn? He still seemed like Vince Vaughn, but this is probably the like. Yes, he's known for his comedy. His comedy's good. I I tend to really like his dramatic roles more. I really like him in. You got to see Cell Block, Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine. I know. Um, I really like him in Return to Paradise. Yep. And I really like him, and I know I'm going to get hate for this. Psycho. I actually oh. really like the remake of Psycho. Yeah, you and uh, no one. Uh, I am pretty sure the director, whose name is escaping me right now, also liked it. It's the guy who directed Goodwill Hunting. 
Uh, Gus, Gus Van, Van Sant. Sant. Yep, yeah. there we go. <laughs> Nailed it. I... I, I totally get me and maybe I'm just watching maybe I just watched the film with the wrong lens on twice. So I will concede to your point that that's okay. Okay. Right, and I'm just saying it's it's fine to have that argument, but you have to be a little bit more consistent when you want to use that argument. Well, I th- in in some ways Hidden Figures, we talked about this, is not a realistic film. Mm-hmm. It's a Hollywood film. And so I'm not watching it the same way, whereas Hacksaw Ridge is presented as more of a true story. Okay. And so maybe maybe that's part of it. Like, say, like, Lincoln, which is, which is not uh, this year, but is presented as the true story. So I'm more... I'm more attuned to yeah, but like this, I don't watch I don't watch 1776 wondering if they're gonna sign the Declaration of right. Independence or not because that's not how the film presents itself. I I see your point, but to me, whenever I watch something based on a true story, I look at it as I'm watching the sausage get made. I know it's gonna Weird be a sausage analogy. at the end, but I'm gonna see how it gets made. True, but some some movies that use historical events as their basis are not true stories. That's true. Or just naturally assume you don't know. Like, when I first saw Apollo 13, I didn't know anything about the story. So I'm sitting there going, are they going to live? Are they going to die? I don't know. And then, like, walking out, my father, my father pulled the same line that you did. Like, well, it was a little bit off because I knew they were going to live. I'm like, oh, well. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I yeah. didn't. I thought they were all dead. Yeah. I thought Ed Harris was going to be the sole person at a funeral. <laughs> that would be so sad. That it would be. be. so sad. Um, so going into the second half of this movie, the the battle scenes are just... Extraordinarily good. <sighs> yeah. Look, I'm going to say it. I, I like this movie, and this is probably the best war movie. It is definitely better than Saving Private Ryan. Don't at me, bro. Now, it's funny that you say that because I have said the opinion, yours and mine, that the best part of Saving Private Ryan is the D-Day sequence. Yes. And after that, it it's good. It just doesn't live up to the, that sequence. And I've right. heard many people go, you know, I think you're right. Because whenever anybody thinks about Saving Private Ryan, they think, of the they think about the D-Day sequence. They don't really think about the rest of the movie. And we could all say that it's good, yeah. but it that is the crux of the movie yeah. right there. And so I think, I think that this is a more consistently good film mm-hmm. from start to finish. I think the comparison is a little not weak, but it's not totally pure because only half of the film takes place at war where the other half is training. Yeah. Whereas all of Saving Private Ryan takes is place war. At war. Mm-hmm. Now if you want to if you want to try and compare apples to apples, the D Day sequence versus the battle sequences in this movie. Oh, man, to, like Saving Private Ryan did it so well and did it first that it's hard to argue Hacksaw Ridge being better. But there are times, because I think it's differently shot. Definitely. This, like, Saving Private Ryan, very gritty, and, like, the chaos of war, you felt it in that battle sequence, where this one is just so visually dynamic. You still kind of get the chaos, but this is, like, the prettiest, dirtiest battle I've seen. 
there's uh, there's two great shots that I love in this. One where the camera is pointed at the Japanese people shooting, mm-hmm. and you can see, you can almost pick out individual bullets yeah, flying towards the camera. Shot. Old school almost. Yeah. And then there was a second one where there's an explosion. And when the explosion happens, you see the person's body being torn apart from the explosion. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it does such a good job at getting those details where Saving Private Ryan had, like, the aftermath of those details. Yes. Now, I think, I think an interesting point about this one over the other, I think Hacksaw Ridge, you have a deeper emotional connection to the battle sequence. Yes. Because you care about Andrew Garfield at that point. And because you, you saw them that go platoon, through. Right? Yeah. You saw them go through training, and now you're seeing them go through war. Where say, because Save and Private Ryan opens with the D-Day sequence, it's a faceless army against another faceless okay. army. Yeah. So you, it's almost documentary mm. than than emotionally driven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I like the I again like the comparison between the two and thinking about which one is better is interesting because as do you need the emotional connection for it to be better or can the D-Day sequence actually be better? I think anytime you connect emotionally with a character it's better. It's better because it pulls you into the movie. Like I, I, I go to movies to get pulled into that world. Sure. You know, if if that's I'm why we tell not, stories, right? If I'm not pulled in, it doesn't work. Like I love horror movies because I can sit there and envision being in that situation. Sure. So if you can't, it doesn't work sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think this is an instance where it really does work when you're when you're emotionally invested in the character that makes sense that makes sense we have two films left and we're it's a very long episode so i'm going to move ahead. all right the next two are horrible well you might think that i don't know i can't even remember which two movies that are right. left well the next movie is arrival okay directed by uh denis velvenu written made by up that name velvenu no that's his name he's okay. from he's from france um written by eric Hesary, based on the short story by Ted Ching, uh, starring Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, and Forrest Whitaker. This is the story of a girl. This is the story of a girl. Yeah. Nailed it. Uh, who was a linguist at a college. And, now and, and lost she it. lost her family, but then she found Jeremy Renner. Did she then really she lose smiled. her family, though? She didn't. No. Spoiler. This is... This is the story of Amy Adams dealing with an alien invasion, but also dealing with some personal turmoil at home in her maybe. head. Maybe. Uh, alien invasion? No. Alien, alien arrival. Alien arrival. It's, it's in, in the name the of the cell. It's not really an yeah. invasion. You're right. They don't really do anything. They're just kind of hovering above, looking, you know, taking snapshots. They are taking the shots. Now. When we first saw this movie, we went to go see this in theaters the first time. And it was a really good beginning 10 minutes. You had uh, Delroy Lindo. No, not Delroy Lindo. Who was it? Was it Danny Glover? Danny Glover, you know, getting ready for Christmas with his family coming in because they showed almost Christmas at the beginning for some reason. Yep. So going from almost Christmas, which was actually kind of delightful for right. the first 10 minutes. And spoiler, the rest of the movie is pretty good. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. I, have, I have never gone back to watch the rest yep. of it. But then going from that to the very serious, dark, and in some ways depressing arrival mm-hmm. was a very odd experience. And yeah, I, I think that 
colored the movie for us in some way. So I was happy to go back and rewatch it this time. You know what also colored the movie? Whatever crap they had on the lens to make the world look that gray. It's very gray. It's a very gray world, except for the grass, which is very green. Yes. I, on the other side. On the other side. On the other side. <laughs> the other side of the movie. Right. I was pleasantly surprised. People loved this movie when they saw it. And so people, people tend to be wrong. Well, going back and rewatching, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I see it. I get why people like it. Okay. I still didn't love it the way that people jumped on it. I think it's a beautiful looking film. I think it's very I think the contrast between say like the like the alien glass and the holding area where they always communicate is very cool. The for some reason their suits are all CGI, their hazmat suits and that as hazmat suits tend to be. That blows me away that like one just have them wear regular hazmat suits. No, you but, have a budget that but, you need to go through. But there's flawless suits. They're so good looking. <laughs> it's crazy. That is crazy to me. I I saw the ending of this movie coming like ten minutes into the movie. Yeah, and that it kind of like a histor like a historical movie kind of colored this. It kind of dampened the impact of the movie for me. Okay. So going back a second time and knowing that ahead of time, I was able to take the movie in for what it was. Okay. And I enjoyed it. I think I think it's a I think it's a smart film. I I think it could be a little dull in in places, but I think Amy Adams is good, Jeremy Renner is good, Forrest Whitaker is always a delight in whatever he's doing, whether he's likable or not. I'm still not totally up on it the way that everybody else okay. was. So there's a quote from the Nietzsche. movie no, there's a quote from the movie RKO 281 where um, William Randolph Hearst says, I could have been a great man, but was not. And that perfectly to me encapsulate this movie. This movie could have been great. It wants to be great. It comes close to being such a great sci-fi movie. But what it but what undoes it is its need to be smarter than the audience. I and that's it. I agree. It thinks it's smarter than it is because unless I'm a genius, which I'm not, but you're not. But having having guessed the ending right. 10 minutes in and then going through a 2-hour movie going, "Yeah, okay, I know. Yeah, okay, I know. So, yeah, okay, I know." So look, we're because there's no way I can I can critique this movie without saying it. At the beginning, you're, she goes through her life. You're led to believe that she's had a daughter who died of a disease. And that's what she's kind of trying to get over when the aliens arrive. It turns out that because these aliens are here and the gift of mathematics <coughs> and language, <laughs> you can now see, you, you know, you can kind of free, throw, free flow through time. And she's actually remembering her child who hasn't been born yet. The child that she's going to have with Hawkeye, who, I'm sorry, doesn't actually do anything in this movie. Not Much really. like most of his movies. Oh, snap. Born, <coughs> born Legacy Shade. <laughs> um, I like Jeremy. People love Jeremy Renner. I, I think, don't know why. I think it depends on the film. Yeah. See, I, I, think he's, I, I think it's film dependent for me. He does it. His, if he's in it, fine. If he's not, His only I movie that I liked was it. Wind River. Like, yeah, that's that, what I'm I liked of. him he, in. He's quite good in that film. Uh, so this movie can be so good. Because the sci-fi Mission Impossible. He's good at Mission Impossible. The sci-fi elements are so good, and I I didn't catch this the first time around because it was boring. 
The sci-fi <laughs> elements are so good in this movie, but what undoes it all is the the sub story with her daughter. You take out that sub story; it doesn't need to be there at all, not even a little, and you get almost a perfect sci-fi movie. I like this movie would be a ten out of ten. Just getting rid of that, and because of that, this movie drops down to like a four for me. Why is the relationship with her daughter such a negative for you? It's not that it's a. It's not that it's a negative. It's un. It's so unnecessary, and they keep going back to it. And once you find out the reason of it and how it hasn't actually happened. So it, it's just, I don't know, it, I just dislike that storyline so much. And it's because of the ending. Otherwise, you're like, oh, they're really kind of, all right, yeah, she had a daughter. Yeah, I understand this is driving her, but. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's int- I think we're not, you not having a daughter, I, right? Uh, no, I have a son. That's correct. That's, yeah. what I'm, that's what I'm saying. So you not having a daughter, you don't have that emotional connection you know you don't that bit's not meant for you i don't you know what i mean like i don't you're not meant to connect to everything and that's fine you don't have to connect to everything but if you're but because you haven't gone through an experience like that it might not mean anything to you which is why it's in some ways distracting okay and i'm glad you say that um because at the end when you kind of when she's like oh this actually hasn't happened yet and then she still decides to do it. She sure. can change, mm. like she says, she could change her path, but she chooses to still have a daughter who's going to go through all of this pain and die. I'm no, just no, mm. no. That's that's very that's very interesting, and I, I think that is a conversation in of it, like a whole conversation yeah. in of itself. I. That's, it's a really interesting. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. I don't think we have the time. to Oh, we never have the time it. because we talk about we talk about stupid things. You know, I I no, I just so this movie, the sci-fi elements are spot on. I love the sci-fi elements. There's other stuff that they kind of clutter the movie with that ultimately makes this a miss for me. As you said, the the the, the world looks good i just think the filter on it kind of spoils the imagery for me um this movie has so much potential you know that's that's a huge leap forward from the first time that you saw it so i think that's good for you yeah good for you that's progress yeah that's good last film moonlight directed by barry jenkins written by barry jenkins based on the story by barry jenkins Terrell Alvin McCraney. That was close. Starring Mahershala Ali, Naomi Harris, Janelle Monet, Ashton Sanders, Alex R. Hibbert, and Travante Rhodes. This is the story of a boy who becomes a teen, who becomes a man, and we follow these three different acts of his life growing up in Florida where he's originally bullied, and then he's bullied some more, and then by the time he's an adult, he's kind of the bully or pretends to be the bully and it's all about him exploring his his sexuality and his choice and his dealing with his 
unstable home life, but then the people who kind of take him in and teach him what it is to be like a, a, a good human and, you know, all these different, all these different things. Which is weird because the person teaching him this is a drug dealer. I know. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I agree. But that's but that's what makes the movie really interesting because, like, the drug dealer takes him in mm-hmm. and teaches him to be a good person. Yeah. Meanwhile, his mom is a crack addict. Right. Like, it's that's Who's buying her drugs. From the drug dealer. It's so interesting. That's what makes this movie good. It's like, it's those layers. But the film doesn't necessarily explore those things. Enough. Enough. I don't, I think it's more concerned with Chiron. Chiron, Chiron, yeah. Chiron. It's more concerned with Chiron and his progression. And those other aspects don't come out as much. Yeah. But I still think that. From all the three actors portraying him, it's a, it's consistent. It's very good. I particularly liked Ashton Sanders, who plays him as a teen. I thought that he was the best out of the three. Okay, he was he was remarkable. He was really good. Naomi Harris as the mother in a completely different role than I've ever seen her play before. I thought it was really good, and Janelle Monae almost like really subdued, really in comparison to say hidden yeah. figures. Really well done, and Mahashala Ali is consistently great in everything that he does. He he is consistently good. He this is an instance where, like, what do you think is needed to win Best Actor or Best Supporting Actor? Because he won Best Supporting, right? Um, so what do you think is necessary in a role or in a movie to win best supporting actor or actress? I think you, I think that depends on the year and the people voting and what's happening. Cause like say, so this performance won, but also Tommy Lee Jones in the fugitive. Right. Right. But like, like he's, he's in such a small sliver of this movie. Good point. But Judy Dench won for no, and I know, and that's and that's kind of like it's what I'm saying. It's the same. Like, do mode. you like? Is it because of the amount of effect your character has on the story? I think it's both. I think it's I think it's the amount the character has the effect on the story, but then also what resonates with the audience. Does this character resonate with the audience even for a short amount of time, mm. or at least with one viewer? You know, yeah. the person voting at least. And I think. I think he does. I'm not sure who else was nominated this past year. I can't remember, and I'm not going to look it up. Just FYI. I'm just going to leave it to the mystery <laughs> of the world. But I I understand what you what you mean. I think it's also if that actor, if this goes for all acting awards, if they blend in the film, mm-hmm. if they work within the film that they are in, or do they feel like they're in another space, or are they way better than everybody else or you know like all of yeah. those things kind of make a difference you know are they working cohesively with everyone and i th- even though they're supposed to be the best of them yeah. i think he he was remarkable because this is a guy the first thing you see is him making a drug deal on the street but then but then immediately after he takes this kid in is like this is how you sit. This is how you eat. This is how you do this. This yeah. is like, like I'm going to be here to help you. I'm going to feed you. Make sure you never go, you know. And so I think a guy 
an actor that can make you to, like watches you do a drug deal and then immediately you're like, oh, but he's helping the kid. And you somehow believe that this is all OK and working. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good performance. It's a really good performance. Yeah, I just wish this movie kind of picked a lane. This movie jumps a little too much for my taste. And like just as just as Jump one around. just as one story or one portion of this of this child's life is kind of getting interesting and is starting to go somewhere, they skip forward to his next phase. And then they skip forward mm. to his third phase. And that's true. I was really getting into each individual story. Yeah, like if forward. you if you had like chopped out a phase and gone from like him as a kid learning this to then him as to him as an adult, then I believe this movie would coalesce better. I understand what you mean, and I I I definitely I. Hmm, it's very interesting because I definitely get what you mean, but in some aspects, the skipping forward made me more intrigued in like how we got from there to there. You know what I mean? Like I didn't want to see the perfect progression. I the time jump almost worked. It almost worked in a way that I was like, "Oh my! Like what happened to you in between that time and that time? Yeah. Okay. Like how did you get here? I need to know. Tell me more." And so yeah. it made me. Every time it moved forward, I became more and more invested. So by the end of the film, I was really like, "All right, give me more. like I want to see more." I okay. and I was I was really I was I was really invested. Yeah, yeah, I can see your argument, um, but you know, it, it was weird because like Mahershala is there for ten minutes, and then the next scene, he's apparently dead. Yep, mm-hmm. like never find out what happened to him. He just kind of flits in and out. In some ways, I kind of like that it, it doesn't, like, tell... it. The film doesn't stop to tell the audience. Like, it's almost so realistic in that way. It's like, oh, you remember, insert insert yeah. information. You know, like, I... In some ways, I liked the ambiguity. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't... That doesn't work for every film. But I think it because it doesn't hurt the plot and it doesn't hurt the characterization, it's almost in some ways unnecessary information. Yeah. Yeah. And it it's very much like real life where relationships don't necessarily have to have full closure. They just kind of go away. Like even like his jump from a teen to adult, like then then Mahershali's wife or girlfriend is out of the picture at that point. You don't That's know what right. happened to her. I know, which is a, a shame because she was one. She, she was might really have been good. my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. She was really good. Yeah, I mean, the movie was good. The movie's well acted. The movie is the movie is a is a decent story. Just in my mind, I wanted more of a fleshed out story mm-hmm. instead of three pieces of a story. Sure, I can understand that. And I can, as as I when I finished this film, I I said. I get why it won, and I get why it's not for everybody. That's, in some ways, that's that's kind of the Academy's modus operandi. I see why it won, and I see why it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's that's a, that's a, that's a go that's a go to. Yeah, certainly. So this is the point in the show where we would usually do best picture, but this season we are adding awards. We are also going to do supporting actress, supporting actor, cinematography, actress, actor, music, and 
than best film, as we always do. And so let's start and let's go back Ooh. in that order. But before I do that, yeah. we are not we are only basing our choices off of the best picture films. Yes. So they are fake awards for those categories. Right. Okay. So it's our own it's the Academy Rewind Oscars. The Academy Rewind Oscars, exactly. Yeah. Trademark. Um, trademark out there. Trademark. Everything's trademark. Trademark. <laughs> trademark. Trademark. Let's start with supporting actress. We'll just go back and forth. No big deal. And we're not going to explain our choices, really, uh, apart from maybe a sentence or two. All right? Sound good? Are you good? Are you ready? You're ready. You seem ready. Yes. Good. All right. Supporting actress goes to... Nicole Kidman, Lion. Nicole Kidman and Lion. Why? She was... Out of all all of the movies, Mm -hmm. she had the most to do in a supporting role. Like, it was only really between, like, her and, say, Michelle Williams. Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, I see your point. So, I gave it to Viola Davis for... For Fences. For Fences. Yeah. Because I think she deserved it because that's the category she also... Right. That was what she, she was nominated in. Right. I have a feeling that you ignored that and you moved her into Best I, Actress. I did because then Best Actress, I run into the same problem. It's only, like, three movies. That, you know, you're not wrong. Okay. So, since... She's your best actress. She is my best actress. I'll I'll do my best actress right now to yeah. keep it in line. My best actress is Emma Stone, and I, I, if I had, if I thought in my mind right. I had the choice to move Viola Davis, well, you do. There, That's how this podcast I, works. I'm not going to. I'm going to stick with the <laughs> way that we talked about earlier right. in the episode. So also because you hate Nicole Kidman. Also that I don't. <laughs> she was fine. She was fine. Um. I, so I'm going to give it to I'm going to give it to Emma Stone because yeah. I think she she did an Emma Stone thing she does her th- but I think she added a layer that you don't normally get from other Emma Stone films I think there's there's like real pain and real pathos isn't the right word but I I think she she was she was she does very what good she, she does what she does well in that movie I just wish. She kind of ventured out of her comfort zone a little bit more. Sure, you know, but some some it, people, some actors win for doing their thing, right? Because right. they it's recognized they do that thing better than anybody, anybody else. else. Yeah, so yeah, that's very possible. Supporting actor, who are you going with? Uh, I'm going to go with Hugo Weaving in Hacksaw Ridge. Oh, because all I right. think he's criminally underrated and underlooked. So I'm pulling in Oscars where. Even though I really like him in Hacksaw Ridge, like this is for his entire body of work ever. Sure, you're doing the maybe this wasn't your best bit, but right. you deserve something. Right. But you, I also think out of out of the choices, I'm not gonna give it to Hawkeye. You know, I'm not gonna give it to the kid from Manchester by the Sea. It was between him and say, um A person. Jeff Bridges. Okay, sure. Also somebody who's doing their thing right. well. Yeah. I'm going to give it to – this is might be an odd choice in some way. I'm going to give it to Ashton Sanders from Moonlight. He played the the middle, the middle Chiron. Yeah. yeah, he played the middle. I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, he was. He was really good. Um, and while I'm going to accept that, I would argue that that's the main star of the – like he I played know what the you, main character. He's made the main character, but because they're split by three different actors, right. I'm – Kind of giving it this. I guess it's the flip, like your Viola Davis yeah. thing. Yeah. So no, I can I can see the argument. Yep. Uh, let's do cinematography. Best. Let's just do the film. Go. Cinematography. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge. Why? Uh, I just out of all of the movies, it looked the best, and it kind of it 
it felt like a like it gave me that battle like I was in that battle. Gotcha. And the cinematography goes a long way in doing that. Okay, that's good. I'm going to give it to La La Land and listen to my reason. You said cinematography, not choreography. Cinematography. It's a okay. beautiful film. It's like a really good-looking film. But here's my argument for it. LA is not or like Hollywood is not a beautiful area. It's a lot of desert and like Desert Holly, I think it was a Sand Holly, Desert Holly, California Holly. So whatever it's called, like, it's not beautiful. It, but I think the film makes it look really it beautiful. Yeah. And I think the filming, music, and dancing is very difficult. And I think there are some tricks that the camera does, like that. Uh, the um, observatory sequence is really well shot. And this is an odd, kind of an oddball choice, but the. At the beginning of the film, there's that famous actress walking in to the start, the coffee shop where Emma Stone works, right? Right, in it, and then that same shot is used again when At Emma Stone. End. And I I like continuity like that. I like bookends, yeah. And that's all really well worked cinematography. I really wish they would have actually just gotten a famous actress for that part, mm. because like that's what you're assuming that it's supposed to be a famous actress, but it's just nobody. Like that's true, but I think. When you do that, it dates a film. Uh, yeah, okay. That makes sense? Yeah, no. Almost like the um, Austin Powers gold member thing at the beginning where it's like, it's gold member. Yeah, but you know, like that, like it's Danny DeVito yeah. and Kevin Spacey and Tom Cruise. And even though that some of those names are big now, uh, it kind of dates the, it, it kind does. of dates the film. We already did the actress, so let's do actor. best actor. Denzel. Denzel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Denzel and Fences. He, if he's not as good as he is, that movie will fall flat, regardless of how good Viola Davis is. Agreed. Um, he is he is the workhorse of that film. I I agree. Totally agree. Music. What is your choice? <sighs> yeah. yeah. Oh, did you not have a good music choice? I did not have a good music choice. I don't want to pick La La Land. But you feel like that's the only choice given to you? I really do. That's very interesting. Uh, to hell with it. I'm going with Arrival. Wow. I don't, I don't care. Wow. I don't care if Dark the Academy. <laughs> I don't care if the Academy says that it's not eligible because the book end is a known piece. Uh, that doesn't matter. No, according to the Academy, it does. That was why it was ineligible. The book end is a is a the, known piece. The so beginning it... and end is a known piece. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So you can have songs that people know in the middle. But the beginning and the end. Have I think to be it's original, because, or I at think least it's for because the film. of how much it's involved. Like, sure. Like it's the main focus almost. Okay, that makes sense. There's a difference between maybe best compilation, right. and then best yeah. music. But I'm going with Arrival. That's interesting. I choose Manchester by the Sea. Eh, that wasn't. Bad. I, I think the I think the chorals in in Manchester are one an interesting choice for the. I think it could have very easily gone in a almost. I think a generic. Mm-hmm. It could have gone in a very generic way, um, but I think the the chorale in there are very interesting, and the use of adagio and strings is really is really well thought out. And right. I listened to the Manchester. I listened to the Manchester by the Sea soundtrack before I saw the film. Yeah, and so that to me is kind of a ringing endorsement. I think for a one good of the soundtrack. things we're gonna ha- I'm gonna have to do this season is when we do. When since we're doing this, I'm gonna have to just listen to like at least one or two pieces. Pay of attention music. to the music, but well, I, no, think... I try to. But once I finish the the movie, You're, it's, it's hard to. Head. It's unless it's something very memorable. It's hard to be able to 
compare. I, I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Okay, last one before best film. Let's yep. do best writing, which I did okay. not say in my original lineup, but let's do it. All right. Um, and since we're not going to break them down because we only have a finite amount of nominees anyway, I'm going, even though I have many problems with a part of the story, I'm going with Arrival. Interesting. Because I think the sci-fi elements that I love in this movie, the, the trying to figure out the language, is just so good. The movie does ultimately come undone by that side story of her, of her and her kid. Mm-hmm. But that sci-fi stuff is just so good. It beca- like it's so close to a perfect sci-fi movie. It drives me nuts. Okay, that's that's a good choice. I'm going with Hell or High Water. Yeah, I, I think it's a. I think it's a really well crafted mm-hmm. movie. Everything. This is. I love films where everything is in its place. Everything has a meaning. It all ties together. It makes you think. It makes you care about the characters, and it doesn't take itself too seriously. I think at the moments yeah. where it needs to, where it needs to lighten up, it, it does. does. It's like, and it's that's like a that, Jeff Bridges a scene, right? Exactly, yeah. and I think that's really important part of dramatic works. That like, let's not like even in the worst moments of your life, somebody can still make you laugh. Mm-hmm. And I think Hell or High Water really gets that, and so I'm going to give it there. Yep. Okay, and the. Best picture goes to La La Land. Moonlight. Well, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, seriously. Um, <laughs> the best picture for me goes to Hacksaw Ridge. You know, I that was seemed to be the only, really the only movie on this list that you were like, besides in some ways Hidden Figures, that you were really like, hey, I really like this movie. And here's why. And so I don't... I don't disagree with your choice. I'm going to I'm going to stick my chance. I'm going to give it to Moonlight okay. because I I liked it. it. I I liked everything. I really actually liked everything about it. It was consistent and quiet and well acted and it felt real and emotional and it it said some really interesting things about humanity. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite movie on this list. But I recognize it as maybe one of the best movies on the list, if that makes sense. Okay. If I was to pick my favorite, I'd probably give it to Fences. I almost gave it to Fences. That was my second choice. When I saw Fences, I I absolutely loved it. I was like, this this one. Like, I, I remember liking Hacksaw Ridge. So that was the last one I watched because I was like, I'm going to end on uh-huh. a note that I really like. So I almost gave it – I was going to go to Fences, and then I rewatched Hacksaw Ridge. I'm like, no, I, I – I do really like this movie for many reasons. I mean, Hidden Figures I also like. To me, it's it gets nominated because of the material and it's based on a true story. It's more of a crowd pleaser. Yeah. I don't know if it's not based on a true story if that movie gets nominated. Oh, interesting. I'm not sure. That's a, that's a good question. I'm not... Although, I don't know, because Moonlight's not based on a true story, but it feels like it's a true story. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and maybe... It was based on the events of, but not of, right. you know, experiences of, but not necessarily yeah. one individual story. So, but I think the only thing that really held Fences back for me is that, because they were saying in some ways Fences and Moonlight say some some of the same thing, mm-hmm. but I think Moonlight takes advantage of being a film. Of being in more than one location. I think I think <laughs> Moonlight, takes adva- Moonlight takes advantage of being a film where Fences doesn't. Okay. It's a play on film. And I and I really at the end of it, that's to me, like that's the defining line. This is 
the 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 medium is film. Okay. And so we're not here at the Tonys. We're here at the Oscars. Tony, 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 Tony. 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 All right. So that's it. So you can write into us on Twitter and Gmail at Academy Rewind. You can rate and review us in all places that iTunes, all places that podcasts can be found, such as iTunes. Such as iTunes. In Overcast and Google Play and Spotify and all such things. You can find myself on Twitter at TimothyPG13. You can tweet at Palmer at Academy Rewind. He runs the account. Yes, yes, I do. And I mean, if you scroll through, it's fairly obvious that Paul runs the account. <laughs> I'm going to start signing your name to tweets now. <laughs> nope, don't do it, please. You can find all other Thought Bubble Audio shows at thoughtbubbleaudio.com. There are so many of them now. <laughs> I, I don't even know we if I starting, want to listen to them. We are starting a new podcast where we just list the. Just list podcasts. Yep. All right, so let me see if I can do this. And I'm, tr- I won't do it enough. I'm going to try to do it enough about a quarter. Here we go. Fail. Okay, here we go. Academy Rewind. Beer with Geeks. Hate Watch with Us, Metropolis Podcast, Supergirl TV Talk, Nope, Starkville's House of L, Krypton, Supergirl TV Talk, Tolkien TV Talk. Yeah! Whoa. That was crazy. Actually, I don't know if you checked the Twitter. Um, Thought Bubble Audio actually announced three new podcasts. Son of a nutcracker. (laughs) Son of a nutcracker. They all start with Z, so you can still fit them in. Oh, they're about Zorro. Fantastic. (laughs) About sleeping and about Zorro and about zebras. Zanzibar. <laughs> Nailed it. Great. Zabars. That's good. It's about General Zod. About Hans Zimmer. Isn't that what isn't that what Starkville House of L is about? Uh, not that General Zod, but, but yes, a General the Zod. House of the House of Zod. Anyway, this has been fun. Until next time, I think we have to leave because they're playing us off. No, I have some more people to thank. Well too bad. Bye. Bye.